carried me to say this is my final day I died a thousand times my words are left now blind I hold you close to me I hold you close to me So we are back. We're back for part two. We're back for part two. And it only took us like two weeks and stuff. But hey. <laughs> hey. We're back. We're back. And we got a new, an, another guest, same guest, same bat channel, Tam. Hello. In the house again. Yay. I know we're going to get something good. So we left it off with her and Andy, Nina and mm -hmm. Andy. And by 1969, Nina and Andy were having major problems in their marriage. Um, she said she was tired of being pushed too hard because mm -hmm. even though Andy took care of all of the arrangements, you know, booking, travel, pan the band, she found it taxing to travel around, like say the Midwest on like consecutive days or fly mm -hmm. down to the South and then make several days in a row on the way back to New York. And, you know, it just wore on her. And I think she said 19 people who depend on me for their livelihood. She said, that's wow. a hell of a lot of people. Yeah, that is. And she was just kind of done, yeah. you know. And Andy saw mm -hmm. it differently, you know. Her complaints mystified him because she would want a swimming pool and other upgrades to their house, which mm -hmm. cost several hundred thousand dollars. And he would ask her point blank, where are we going to get the money? That's a good question. If you're not performing, yeah, you somebody got to perform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the same year, her late friend Lorraine Hasbury provided the inspiration for her to craft with Weldon Irvine. He's a poet. A song from one of Lorraine's plays called To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. And homage to Lorraine. And the Play was still running off Broadway at the time. What you laughing at, Tammy? Because no, I thought you said young, gifted, black, and Amish. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? Nothing. I was just like, and I know, we like, talking my, about Tammy. My head knew that that's not Tammy, what aren't you said. Amish? <laughs> I knew that's not what you said. Wow. I just couldn't that stop. Wine that wine is not, already that taking was, effect. <laughs> That wine is already taking effect, Tammy. I just, I wasn't going to say it, and then I could stop laughing. Okay. <laughs> Young, and black, I... gifted, and homage. That's me. Why are you making fun of me? I'm Amish. There's nothing. Uh, to any Amish yeah. listeners, there's nothing. Was, I know. And I knew it. I knew that's not what she said, but it still made it me laugh. It just came. I know. It just still made me laugh, and I had to address it. That's a new song. Part two. Um, it's Amish. Um, and, oh my God, I'm trying not to anything. laugh so early. You got to help me out. I know, I know. It's Please, weird. Lord, I'm trying to be good tonight. That bread isn't here by Gabby. I know. What are we going to do without the bread? Man. 
Anyway, <laughs> so the song <laughs> to be young, gifted, and black and Amish <laughs> has been covered by everybody like Donnie Hathaway, Aretha Franklin. Actually, she covered that, I think. No, no, she covered that was Donnie Hathaway's song she covered in Malcolm X. But she has covered to be young, gifted, and black. I knew it's not. I know this. I know John covered it. He's not. He's he's not black, but he covered it. I know this. I know it. It's maybe what I heard. It's what I heard. Elton John speaking. (laughs) I've already derailed the show. I've already derailed it. Good, good. So, (laughs) so Nina and Andy split up in early 1970, and. Nina left Lisa in the care of Andy's mom for about a year and traveled. And Andy described a different scenario many years later. He said it wasn't because, you know, Nina felt like she was being worked to death. Mm -hmm. His side of the story many years later is that uh, he said Nina wanted a big, wanted as big a career as he wanted her to have and that she blamed him whenever they came up short. But the true victim between these two, uh, I want to say, is between Nina and Andy, is really Lisa, their daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. Because in that documentary, What Happened, Miss Simone, she went into detail that, you know, when Nina returned, you know, after a year of being gone, she said she brought back a new kind of rage on her. I feel so bad for her. I know. She said she couldn't do anything right, and Nina Mm -hmm. would become became she said it in her words mm-hmm. Nina became a monster in her life mm-hmm. um, and forced you know she was felt like she was forced to stay with Nina and that Nina would beat her oh, that's um, so sad. and that things got so bad that she thought about sui- committing suicide at 14 so she that's flew so to New sad. York and she lived with her dad and never went back and I think that's because Nina's mental illness was just too much to live mm-hmm. with you know her mm-hmm. bipolar disorder or whatever it was, it was just, you know, the 70s became hard for Nina. You know, one, she felt disillusioned over the civil rights movement, you know, that in her view had stalled, you know. Mm -hmm. She found little to cheer about, even though, you know, there was some progression that came out of the civil rights movement. Why, see, you laughing. What you laughing? Are you so thinking about the Amish again? I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm ruining the show. Don't make eye contact not, with okay, me. Okay, all right. I'm gonna, look, I'm, I'm gonna make eye contact with the margarita. Mm. Mm. It's just funny because I actually know it. Like I don't know why I even thought that. It just and I shouldn't have addressed it. Like now we're still talking. We're getting serious talking about mental illness, and I'm still <laughs> and focused civil, on that. Stalled mental. Uh, oh, I said stalled mental civil rights. <laughs> Crazy, and I haven't even We've drank. We've barely even been. To, I haven't even sorry, done anything. Everybody. We're just oh my slap God. happy. We're I know. Away. That's what happened with this. Po- you know what? She put another spell on us. I feel it. I feel it. Nina. Oh, yeah. Nina put no, a Nina spell put, on us. Nina she put spells. She cast a spell. Ooh, you know what, Michelle? You should put Nina's picture mm, back up yeah. like you did the last time, because that was on point when you did that the last time. Get ready, Tammy. Get ready, because Nina is magical. So the 1970s were hard for Nina. Um, one, I'm just 
going back over it, but she felt disillusionment over the civil rights movement because in her view it had stalled. Mm-hmm. And she found little to cheer about, even though some progression came out of the civil rights movement, such as by the landmark federal laws on voting and eliminating the Jim Crow laws. And she didn't, too, she didn't have Andy around to look after her and manage her career or money. Mm-hmm. Uh, she finally got her brother to manage her. And by the way, she would get a little miffed about why she wasn't having a career like, say, I don't know, Aretha Franklin. And mm-hmm. Andy warned her years before, he had warned her before that you can't scream and holler about killing white people and expect to have you have somebody have you on the show as an entertainer. Like, boom. That's what he said. He said, you can't go around screaming and holler about killing white people. She was militant. She was yeah, militant she in a good was. way, in a fun way. She was militant. Well, for me, that's just Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that's been me, too. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, and I think she lost some steam, um, mm-hmm. during that time because she worked so hard. And then once she slowed down, she slowed down mm-hmm. to not to stop and her finances were a mess. You know, she did broke. she live large. Is that like, I think she had just had him to manage her mm-hmm. stuff and she probably did live a little large, but she didn't know how to manage money. Yeah. You know, she just knew how to work hard mm-hmm. and work like a dog. And then somebody else was handling mm-hmm. all that. And I don't know how well he did it, but you know, her finances were a mess by the seventies, you know, she's broke. And then the IRS came after her for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right over multiple years. How often does that happen? Like people have to learn to pay their taxes. Well, yeah, and she <laughs> created 29. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared of the IRS. IRS scares everybody. Not a celebrity. Well, they, they're just like, whatever. I think they just think somebody else is handling it like Pookie's handling. What I got to worry about. But she created 29 albums in this time, just up until like 1970. Wow. Why wouldn't you be able to be able to pay? I mean, somebody was mismanaging yeah. something. Yeah, oh, surely. I'm if sure you create 29 albums, live and mm-hmm. studio, between 1958 and 19... 19- that shows how hard she worked. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of albums. Between 1958 and 1970, and she knew the record That's companies... That's only 12 years. The record companies were making all the money yeah, off yeah. of those 29 albums, and she had nothing to show for it in royalties. Mm-hmm. They were taking all of her royalties, you know. <sighs> I mean, it's... Typical story. It's a freaking sh- crying shame about mm-hmm. how these record companies just, mm-hmm. you know, take. But, you know, um, and, the, and the above three that I just talked about, finance is a mess, Andy's not around to look after her and manage the career and the disillusionment, um, fed more and more into her bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and that's it caused more and more chaos in the like the saddest ways um, because she had rages and blow-ups and they increased over these years and they were well documented so well documented that her official press release noted talked about it and it would say you know, give us some explanation. And in, in the press release, it would say, unfortunately, business relationships in the past, coupled with built-in problems of a Negro American, have made her susceptible to hurt and imper- impatient with ignorance. That's what it said, impatient oh. with ignorance. Wow. 
Wow. Um, but to Nina, it went even deeper because she said, this is the dirtiest business I've ever heard of. Mm -hmm. She said, they try to make a slave of you, and it's the dirtiest and most immoral business in the world. And it can be beautiful, too, of course, because you can move the whole world with music, mm -hmm. and that's beautiful. She said, but people make you into a robot. And she said, I'm not a robot because I protest, and I protest mm -hmm. all the time. So they, you know, they really took advantage of her, you know, the record companies. They didn't really know how to get a lawyer to mm -hmm. handle, you know, their business. You know, and it went all yeah. the way up to the 90s. Look at Lisa. Oh, it still happens. It, it still, still happens. happens. You can't, yeah. We got to do that series, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. No, it's it's still, I you mean, hear this story over and over and over again. And it's so sad because like mm. what Nina said, it's like music is such a beautiful thing that right. changes and inspires people. No matter what genre it is, right. we all resonate with something. Right. And it's just like that in order to get it out to the world... It's like you have to deal with these sharks. It just seems I know. so wrong. But the thing is, is that do you have to take everything of somebody? No, I mean, that's a, it's weird because like, the last, you know, 20 years, 15 years, not 20, like 15 years, the industry has changed. And I think it's changing kind of for the better, even though it's... Is it because, because like, the kids are more savvier and you got YouTube? You know? Well, it's because artists can, you can, can still find a way you. to get out there. I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's good things and bad things about it, but I think we're in a transitional stage. But, I mean, it, it just happens so much that you see these brilliant artists get so, like, destroyed by labels. And it's, like you said, it's ridiculous that she didn't have money in the 70s when you've done 29 albums. I don't know most people that will ever do 29 albums in, in a career. In 12 years. Most people won't do that in a career, ever. In 12 freaking years. Yeah. I mean... You know, it's something. It's, you're right. I think it's it got a little bit better because the younger artists are more savvier and they have more outlets. We also have more access to make stuff, though. Like to I go think around the record company. Yeah, like you, you don't know? need. There's all sorts of things. Avenues. Like you can, yeah, you can find a way. Like everything as technology advances, it also gets cheaper and more accessible. With that, you also get a lot of shit out there. <laughs> like you do. Well, I think you get Napster a... really helped because these record companies will put out an album, and you mm -hmm. only have one song, and you're paying twenty dollars for a CD, and then you only buy it for that CD. And Na Napster was like, "No, I only like that." So it it caused them to have to come, you know, go. I mean, the I have future. conflicting feelings about it both ways, but at the same time, I think like any industry even with the film industry and network grow. industry as you know it's like you've got to instead of being upset about the amazons and the netflix and the hulus it's like well you got to join it and that's when so it's just i think that's what's happened in music and you should, it's like it's, it's changed them to have to you can't just come out crazy but i think that even and steve jobs because mm -hmm. of itunes mm -hmm. because he had to go do the deal with them for apple music but napster kick-started that yeah. because i think and for a good way i think it was good because the record companies were tent on being living back mm -hmm. in the you know yeah. old age the stone age as you want to say and this pushed them to have to come to the table. Yeah, I kind of think um, ultimately, even though we're not fully out of that transition, I think ultimately it's going to be something good. Hopefully, I, I mean, I just think anyone that it's is just an sad artist for the has, older ones that have it's, I mean, it's sad for the like, newer ones too yeah. that people, record deals barely exist anymore. So. And you know what? I was looking at Straight Outta Compton, and um, remember, they, I don't know if you saw it or not. Did you see Straight Outta no, Compton? No, I really wanted to see Did it. Did you see it, Tammy? And and there was a scene where like Ice Cube went to the the guy's um, 
the guy's uh, office because I guess he did sign a deal mm -hmm. and everything was signed or whatever, and they still didn't act right. The record company still didn't. Well, those are still him. no, it's but those like, are still deals. Just I'm not saying deals don't exist. Deals still very much exist, but that still was a while ago too. Yeah, but they still like find a way even today to change the rules to oh, get to go and have technicalities. Of course, of course. That you're like, wait a minute, it said blah blah blah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Royalties. Yes. So when you write a song and you're like, oh, I'll the record company deal with it. They hit your royalties. That's why you never want you. As an artist, you should always want to handle your finances so they can't hit your royalties. But you even then, they found a way to hit because he was already hip to it. He was already savvy to the whole because yeah. he had went through NWA. So he was already savvy to what was going to go on. Even when he was savvy to it, Tam, and he was already went solo, and he already knew exactly what was in black and white, they still found a way to screw him over. Well, yeah, it's try because it's like the over. house always wins. Of course, there's a couple people that there's a win in Vegas, but it's the house is usually going to win, and that's yeah. how it mm -hmm. is. The labels, a anybody with power and with the money, they're the ones who like kind of control it. Yeah, That's right. And it's still, it, it does still, it absolutely still exists. But you kind of, I think as artists, people have to make a decision. You're like, well, you know, I mean, I know I feel this way with certain things. It's like, well, would I... I sometimes rather have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. So, but the problem is with them, they want 100% of it. Yeah, that is very true. There's, I mean, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of gray area, especially right now. That's the right, problem I have. Right you now, there's quite a bit fair. of gray You want to be yeah. fair and have 50%, but the record companies are like, I want 100 No, it's, it's true. And you but, me. Yeah, but I think in the current music industry, there's a lot of gray. Like, there's a I lot of in so. There's a lot of in-between. You can be, which I, and a part of that is this change that's happened that has been very difficult for many artists because money and music has changed. Like it's just, it's totally different than what it savvier. once was. It's, you, you have to be creative. And if you're create, I'm not just creative musically, no, I mean, right. you have to be creative Social media. in your business and everybody is totally different. So I just think you have to find something that works for you. That's true. That's very true. But I also think it's weirdly positive because it's mm -hmm. not just, if no, you want right. to be in it, you can still find a way to get your music out there. Completely. So and bad. so many great avenues, you know. Yeah. So there's lots of good things and bads. But that's like any so people change. People can come and listen to your great music on your <laughs> website. Hey. But that's what she was. I, I mean, I feel like she was so frustrated, too, because she was this also was working. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, this was back in the day. And more importantly, she was working for change. And as we're talking about change, I mean, that was a time of great, massive yeah. upheaval. And yeah. she was a big part of that, you know, so. Oh, completely, completely. I mean, the sad thing is, like I said, it all kind of played into her, you know, the disorder kind of played into all those things. And one particular bizarre incident happened on April 29th, 1972, wherein Nina had just played at the New Orleans Jazz Festival. And she exited to like an appreciative applause, hey, and B.B. King came on with his band, and all of the all of his band was black except for the keyboardist who was white, and his name was Ron Levy. And while King was introducing his side man, you know, with the slow bluesy groove, and Nina appeared at the back of the stage and walked towards the keyboardist who's white, and uh, with her keyboardist in tow, by the way. And Sam, her brother and manager, was temporarily away, like working in Hollywood, doing something. And she tapped 
the keyboardist on the shoulder and motioned him to come to the back, come towards her. So he wanted to keep playing, but he didn't want to call the public scene because it's like Nina Simone. So he got up thinking that Nina like had worked something out with BB ahead of the time mm-hmm. and, and hadn't told him about it. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of went along with it. And Nina took him aside, took his place, and then grabbed her keyboardist, who was obviously uncomfortable right at that moment, to sit down next to her. And she played a few chords, signaled her keyboardist to take over, and then she left. And backstage, BB's longtime equipment manager told the keyboardist, he's like, get your butt back up there, you know. So he returned to the stage and whispered to her relieved keyboardist to get up. And he sat back down just as King introduced, the introductions were ending and barely had enough time to get settled next to next tune or for the next tune. And Lita, Nina confronted him. Nina confronted him and said, you're a white boy. You shouldn't be playing with B.B. King. He said he just didn't, he just didn't respond. I but that's the best you know, answer to her. Nina shouldn't. But that, that has, I mean. Oh, my God, Nina. I'm not going to have too many opinions on this, but I'm saying that has nothing to do with his ability to play or him being nothing, in the band. Nothing. It was like, all You got to choose where you're bringing your stuff. And yeah, that's she brought issue. Wrong. Yeah, that was completely I really bad up for him and, just and down, you know. I mean, and then in that same year, she stopped speaking to her father. Mm-hmm. On a vi- She also, husband, like we've mentioned... She that was clearly, like her best friend. She loved. I'm we saying she about. also had a mental illness at this point. I'm not necessarily. That's what I'm saying it fit so, all into yeah. it. I mean, you can't just pick and choose when your mental illness shows up. <laughs> well, she started going a little. It went over. Like I said, chaos reigned. Yeah. Um, so in that same year, she stopped speaking to her pops. Oh God, my heart's just racing hearing that story. Yeah. I feel so bad for that guy. I know, don't you? He handled Poor it Ron. well, though. He handled it with. You know, this is probably the gig of amazingness. his lifetime. You know, like yeah, he's playing. He's playing with BB so King. BB King didn't have a problem with him. What's the problem? Well, I think if someone's a good player, it really shouldn't matter what it color isn't, they are. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what color they are. Never. You know, a great musician is a great musician. Mm. You know, look at Eric Clapton. Yeah, and he's awesome. He's Jimmy Page. You know what I mean? Great musicians are great musicians. You know, you can go Chuck Berry. You can go also go to um, the Rolling Stones guitarists. Yeah, you know, I mean, doesn't matter. So also on a visit home, she overheard her dad telling her younger brother Sam that he was the one who, that her dad was the one who provided all through the years, you know. And Nina got mad about that. She says she stood there in the dark and listened to Daddy tell a lie after lie after lie, because Nina she had been helping her parents since she started working. She sent stuff home, and she felt that he had diminished what her mom had done to provide for the kids also early in her life. And she never spoke to her father again, which was bad. Oh, that's sad. That's the saddest thing. Ever again, like ever from the 70s? He took ill and died that same year. No. Oh, that's so sad. Here's the thing. She didn't go to the funeral. What? She refused to cancel. She adored him. She refused to cancel her concert date, but she wore black and dedicated a a new song to him. Um, here's another Nina, nutty Nina story, if you're ready for another one. <laughs> so this is, this is actually good. Another little nutty Nina story, as I call them. There's a, there's quite a few. I'm just trying to get them, get some down. She's looking at you us ready? right now. Makes you me ready? Nervous. Nina, I'm going to, I know I'm looking at you, Nina. I'm going to tell this story. You, you earned this story. 
<laughs> so Washington, D.C. honored Nina during an event called Human Kindness Day. <laughs> we just talked about the instance of where she wasn't so kind, I know. <laughs> you know, this diva stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a breakfast at the Kennedy Center, and there was an evening tribute at the Smithsonian Institute. Herbie Hancock was there, my favorite, the Porter oh, Sisters, wow. Muhammad Ali, Dick Gregory, all paid tribute. She earned it. Everybody mm-hmm. loved them from Nina, you know. Also, her mom was there, which gave her a lot of joy. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know. Because by this time, her mom had clearly, ex- along, with the money she, her, yes. along with the money she accepted her career. <laughs> Finally. She should have accepted her years before. Yeah, she should have accepted her. she was her for taking anything. care of the family. Yeah. Um, but at one point, she turned, so... You know, after the celebration, they went to a fancy restaurant, and Nina was, like, showered with lots of attention. She deserved it, mm-hmm. Nina. And at one point, she turned to everyone at the bar, and she was like, it's Nina. Drinks on the house. <laughs> Everybody cheered. Yes. Ah. Later on, the host of the dinner gave Nina the bill because she said that. Yeah. And she said, you expect me, Nina Simone, to pay? You should be delighted I came here. You couldn't you couldn't pay for the publicity you received. And they had to pay the bill. And they were fucking pissed. Oh, that's so terrible. Nina's bad, ain't she? Oh. It gets better. How much was the bill? I don't know. Probably some ridiculous amount. There were people that was in that bar that weren't a part of the celebration. Yeah. Like it was like, you know, people off the streets. So it's, it's like so she should have said it. Like, I know. Yes, oh my god! Nice. I'd be like Nina. You need to go ahead and pay this bill. I'm not. I'm not delighted but that you're you, trying to put you, this bill on me right now. You would so you need to go ahead sure. and pay that bill. You'd Nina. have no problem. You're like Nina. You Nina. Me, Nina. 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 You need to pay you that have bill. Nina. Name right away. <laughs> I'd be like, Nene, this is your bill. You just grab Boom. her credit card, man. <laughs> you, you need to hook this up. I didn't t- I didn't say drinks on everybody. But that you is said the drinks point. on everybody. She didn't say it. So her, here's another good one. I mean, it's sad because her IRS situation heated up. First of all, I don't think she should have been charged hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, couldn't she have twenty nine album? Well. Good thing for her. The IRS situation heated up. She couldn't perform in the U.S. for four and a half years, by oh, the way. Wow. For fear of being arrested, and they levied fines against her. You know, you know the IRS don't stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? But she so, did owe the money. She would eventually settle. Well, you know, in America, they tack on stuff that mm-hmm. maybe is not, yeah. didn't start with that. 29 albums. I feel like the record company should have paid part of that. Yeah, but Honestly, you know the record company. They didn't give her her royalties, which is what she was freaking pissed about, mm-hmm. that was earned by her. And everybody, everybody re-recorded a lot of her songs. She didn't get money for that. But anyway. Which is crazy. I know. So Nina was, so she would eventually settle with them. And Nina was spared a jail sentence and fine. But she did have to make like restitution and for a period of time, all of her royalties. And by the way, a lot of her royalties mm-hmm. didn't come to her anyway. Yeah. From record sales and public use of the songs she wrote went directly to the Internal Revenue Service. You know, I think that she's like record. There's isn't a that lot awful of labels that, that actually. I just don't label. know how you look at yourself at night. Labels should be imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Like, for just, it's like all this crazy white collar crime that's totally. so acceptable. Completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she struggled horribly. I mean, Nina Simone shouldn't have to struggle after what she did for oh. a few years. So. Here's the nutty Nina story, number like three. (laughs) 
during the negotiations with the IRS, there was an attorney who represented the government who was a huge Nina fan. Okay, he was. And his last name was Naftalis, I think, Naftalis. But in fact, when she had to testify, he gave great assurances to her attorney that she would be treated with great gentility, you know, and the goal would be to find the best way to resolve all the issues, you know, in the best of everybody's interest, including Nina. So Nina came in when she had to, you know, give testimony. And somehow she figured out that he spoke French because she spoke French. So Nina requested that he speak to her in French. Now, this is the opposite side. She requested that the attorney speak to her in French, <laughs> which kind of threw him in the awkward position She's of so asking French. her questions in French and then translating her answers to her attorney in English. <laughs> That, that that's, is bad. That's so nutty, but funny. Like, that's I know. Funny, Talk nutty. about demons. Now, your attorney is supposed to be understanding everything that you're responding to so they can say, don't respond to that. But she's you know, American, which is so funny. So, I know. So she made, um, I just can't believe it. So Nina finally returned to the American stage after nearly four and a half years and came right in the middle of the tax proceedings on Sunday evening, December 10th, 1978. And she came, first of all, she came on two hours late for the first show. Oh. And then took such a long break that the second show didn't start until 2 a.m. <gasps> That's so... So needless to say, little Nina's career declined. Yeah. You know. She was all but invisible over the next year in the United States and in Europe and... She needed an infusion of, like, energy, you know, which she hoped to find in France. So in 1982, she found a small apartment and decided to book herself into, like, small clubs until she got established rather than work with a promoter. She mm -hmm. just, she was just done. She distrusted everyone. And she liked, you know, the new, you know, she liked the jazz spot. Oh, she liked the New Morning, one of the city's jazz popular spots. And despite its out-of-the-way location, which is northeast of Paris, um, she brought her old habits with her. Mm. Like on the night that a uh, jazz magazine reviewed a show, she arrived more than an hour late. And she looked fetching, I did know. And she, you know, was very fetching. She had these Indian rose pants on, a black leotard, and a dashiki with several mm. bracelets. And so she was always a fashion she always looked amazing, though. She like, did. She, she really, did. Like, this outfit, for example, I want that one. It's incredible. I know. That's a badass. Look at them jewelry and stuff. Everything's great. Bling, bling. But during this time, you know, financial worries, you know, contributed to her distress again. Mm. And at one point, oh, God, here we go. She was in Pamplona, Spain for a festival. And at the hotel, she insisted on a case of champagne be sent to her room. And I know, look at Tammy's face. So the organizer was like, you know what, just give her half a case. Mm -hmm. So barely settled in and drinking most of that, the half a case. By herself? Ain't no telling. Wow. Yes, probably. Wow. Nina went out in the hotel hallway naked oh and announced God. that she was going to the pool for a swim. 
So the staff <laughs> got her back to her room. That's amazing. You know, um, amazing. and and this just this time she was just understandably so. Nina was just furious mm. that she was not receiving royalties owed on her compositions. But yeah, that you totally know. is infuriating. Yeah, and she was so. See, this is this goes why Andy needed to probably be fired because this you know she was supposed to be protected by two publishing companies that she had set up with Andy and another two other companies and her frustration was palpable you know during a meeting with like a british lawyer when she laid out like her bill of particulars and she see, hadn't seen any money because Aretha franklin had recorded to be young gifted and black she didn't receive any of that money mm-hmm. and but and and she said that aretha even used that title as the name of the record that's insane and you know she said from the cover of four women she said i never got a dime so you can understand why she was just understandably beyond irritated and just it just caused her such turmoil mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons why she spiraled and mm-hmm. spiraled into like such turmoil all these years it just kept getting worse it just also seems like know. that wouldn't even be possible like some things wouldn't be possible now like couldn't a you giant sue? like her yeah couldn't you like it just seems so wrong because like you know if you record something and it's a cover they get a hundred percent of it I, I i know there's some yeah. other things that you can still make money of a cover but you don't get any of the writing portion oh, of it because you didn't write it yeah there's a big reason everybody why we don't play stuff on the show exactly. i'm like but you can listen to our spotify playlist <laughs> on rockabye's podcast.com yes we do a whole <laughs> well, yeah we don't play stuff for <laughs> music's for expensive <laughs> reason okay <laughs> um yes it's it's a business it's a business show mm. business and she should have been you know getting that and and so search so much i mean that's why i feel just a certain kind of way it pisses me off because oh it makes me mad too i feel like that's i think so this wrong. fed into her turmoil because well, if really you already don't. have because you know she clearly had other mental issues but say all of us even i mean i feel it. like even every, exactly it, say all i pissed that's what i mean i'm saying all of us would be mad right even though i think most people have a mental issue that even diagnosable or not you'd be but, steaming but imagine you're already mad and then you fuel that with and you other things hits. yeah and they're becoming hits by other people Ooh, as well. Yeah. See? It's like, fine, yeah. let it be a hit by someone else, but at least make the money on it. Totally. And she deserves it, you know? I mean, yeah, it's brilliant writer, know, brilliant. By the mid 1980s, you know, she went to a county hospital in LA, mm-hmm. you know, for what was, what was termed a nervous disorder. And she turned to her brother Sam and just said, I need help, Sam. Mm-hmm. You know, her brother said that she was sinking, just sinking. She was lonely, she was scared, and she needed money. And he was still close to her, and he had a lot of love for her because that's his big sister. And uh, he told her, look, I'm going to come back on and manage you, but I ain't taking no bull, okay? And... Um, so your brother's a good one for that. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't taking no BS. And so he came back and started helping her out, and she returned to New York for a two-day stay, you know. And, you know, she became angry about those royalties, and... Um, it boiled and she never she, she was mad about never being able to enjoy the fruits of her labors which mm. we just talked about and she said most of these albums have been pirated in this country mm. and I'd like to be paid for them and she paused for a moment she gave an interview and she said but getting angry about it hasn't gotten me anywhere so maybe a more reasonable approach will work you know I've got a 22 year old who's never forgiven me for the lack of time 
mm-hmm. that we've spent together. And she said that was the result of touring so much and giving so much of myself to music. Um, and Sam, you know, took Nina to, her brother Sam took Nina to Paris, you know, a city she loved. Here we go again with another Nina story. But at the hotel, she began acting more and more strange. And this is in the mid-1980s, you know. Um, and she walked the hallways half-dressed, cursed at the hotel management, refused to pay her bills. Her, her brother said she just became out of control. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he knew that she needed help, and this is going to be a sad part. Uh, she resisted so much that she had to be put in a straitjacket oh, to be really? taken to a hotel, a hospital for treatment. And she looked at her brother, and she says, you're going to hell for doing this. She screamed at him uh, as a medical team took her away. And at the hospital, among the bipolar diagnosis was a multiple personality disorder. Mm. Bipolar disorder is a mental disorder that causes periods of depression and periods of elevated mood. The elevated mood is significant and is known as hypomania, depending on its severity or whether symptoms of psychosis are present. During mania, an individual behaves or feels abnormally energetic, happy or irritable. Individuals often make poorly thought out decisions with little regard to the consequences. The need for sleep is usually reduced during manic phases. Other mental health issues such as anxiety disorders and substance use disorder are commonly associated. The causes are not clearly understood, but both environmental, such as long-term stress, and genetic factors play a role. Besides Nina Simone, other artists have suffered from this disorder, such as Demi Lovato, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Ted Turner, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Winston Churchill. You know, I think part of it was the business that just threw mm-hmm. her, and you know, the money situation that just threw her into just um, sadness. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nina Simone being taken away in a straitjacket. It's like depressing yeah, to think about. So sad. In 1987, the creator of the Montreux Jazz Festival, Claude Nobbs, um, and he's a loyalist to Nina. He invited her back to the festival in 1987 at, at, at that time. Mm. And at the same moment, her, her luck turned around because the makers of the Chanel Number no. 5 had just revamped their marketing campaign mm-hmm. and they replaced Catherine Deneuve um, with a new model and a new theme song. And it was Nina's mm. My Baby Just Cares For Me. Mm-hmm. And so she was reintroduced back into the public eye to a whole mm-hmm. new generation. And so she got on medication, and um, and they said she was also diagnosed with like schizophrenica, schizophrenica. <laughs> I think I was so sad that I had to laugh, find some way to laugh. I'm sorry, Nina. Um, schizophrenia too, and this kept her more on even keel now. And so he invited her back again in 1990. And wow. I think it was 1987 where that clip we saw in What Happened Miss Simone where she goes, sit down, girl. Oh, I yeah. think it was at that <laughs> festival, that the first opening scene and What uh, Happened Miss Simone. That was like, it was I was at like, the Montreux. I'd yeah. love to go to a show, but I wouldn't love to go to a show. I know. Kevin loved it. He I'd want to be way in the back. I know. I, I, I just was don't saying stand to Tammy, <laughs> I was saying to Tammy, I'm like, if I had to pee, I would just be like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to go pee on myself. I'm going to pee on myself. I am not moving. stand up. Miss Simone. Is not ass. gonna tell Sam. Like, this, this is serious uh, classical piano. I'm yeah. serious. She... I would actually probably start crying. Like just <laughs> me if she said something. I'd be like, oh, 
Well, the girl uh, stood up thinking like that, and she's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, sit, sit down, down. sit down, sit girl. Down. Like, take this is serious. This is a serious business. You know, she's a classical pianist. Take me serious. She, you know what? I should find it while I'm while I'm talking about this. Um, in my quotes about what she said about the audience, which I thought was fascinating. Um, you know, she just felt like you need to. Um, she said, if you can get an audience to like you, that's fine. If you can't, then you must get them to respect you, and you cannot let them humiliate you. Hmm. Boom. There you go. Very so, good. and I might have said that in part one, but I'm repeating no, it in part two repeated, because, you know, uh, that's how she felt. Mm-hmm. You know, well, she um, commanded respect. There's no question. She did not mess around, but she, you know, you know, uh, she just, um, I was looking for another great quote that she had. Um, oh, I put that in the end, but never mind. I'll save that. But anyway, so she went back in 1990 to the Montreux Jazz Festival. It was a successful concert for her. She also did a four city tour with her, her good friend, Miriam McCaba, and she had a blast, you know. And so at this point, uh, a guy who worked at, uh, the PR guy or someone who worked at Electric Records around this time, who had been a fan of her since she was a teenager, um, since he was a teenager, not since she was a teenager, <laughs> since he was one, uh, decided he went to one of her shows in 1993 and he stopped in at, you know, to talk to her. He worked for Electric Records and to introduce himself. And by the beginning of 1993, he signed her to the label, just as she had turned 60. And Nina was in California. He had got her to record a new album. And um, she she told him, she said, this time around, I want to work with a black producer, you know? So he brought in Andre Fisher, who was married to Natalie Cole at the time, and had worked with Tony Bennett. And they got along famously. There's this great picture that they have of Andre and Nina, and it's a beautiful picture Aww. of them smiling and just getting along. Oh, that's um, awesome. And it was Nina's, you know, most ambitious. I know which picture you're talking about. Yeah, it was yeah. her. He's holding her. He's yeah, talking to her. Yeah, it's really and cute. And she's I know just having such a blast. And it was one of her most ambitious efforts since, you know, her RCA So she day. felt good now. Like, she yeah, was on she, medication. She, and... Yeah, she was backing herself. She's making money again. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, she just had a great time, and they, you know, hired orche- orchestral musicians, and she did it. She did a, um, she did an album, and she was back on the circuit. People were calling her the Tonight Show. Okay, here we go. So the Tonight Show asked her to appear in 1993, November 17th. People can go on YouTube and look at that. It was a great, you know, appearance, and you know. Michael, the guy from Electro Records who had signed her, was came to the show to make sure that everything went smoothly. She was going to be on the show and sing A Single Woman. That was a new mm-hmm. single off of her album. And he could see that she was a little nervous because she, you know, was back in front of an American audience. And he did his best to keep her calm in the green room, which was reserved for, you know, guests before they went on. And Nina asked several times what she was going to get paid when she was going to get her money and when she was going to get her money. Mm -hmm. So Michael told her, you know, you get paid through NBC, the same as any other performer who Mm -hmm. comes on the show. And I think at the time it was about $750 and the check comes in the mail. Nina shook her head. She was like, 
I ain't performing unless I get my money first. That's how much distrust she had. Yeah. She said, and so he had to leave the green room, he said, and he had to go find Jay Leno and the producer and had to tell them what she said. And he said that they looked at him like he was cray cray, you know, and the show was starting in 20 minutes, by the way. Well, just write her a check. Like... They came back with the money and they were shocked. They gave her cash. Wow. They were shocked and they were furious and she went on as planned. Wow. So, and, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. And she also did, I thought what she did before was pretty smart that she would get paid not at the end of the show, but in, in the middle. I think that's genius. Brilliant. Because she knew. I actually think that's super She's smart. She's like, I want my money, half the thing of my is, money if you've now. you've already done your whole show, like, I don't yeah, think that's then, that bad. Well, because it's... promoters stiffed a lot of people back then. Yeah. <laughs> they do Especially it now. women, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. I mean, all you this stuff is back now. then, right now, today, Isn't tomorrow. Sad? But, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I like, no. I actually don't mind hearing these stories. I mean, I would never have the balls to do it, but I think it's amazing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she knew her worth. Yep. She knew her worth from day mm-hmm. one. Um, in 1994, though, there's a guy named Stephen Ames Brown who went to court on Nina's behalf and sued all a lot of these music companies mm. uh, to end the licensing agreement. You know, uh, they sued her. She he sued on 55 of Nina's recordings and to get back her masters. Oh wow! And in exchange for his work, she agreed to give him. Uh, I think 40% of any royalties recovered, and they would be joint owners of the masters. That would actually come back to haunt, mm. uh, I think, her estate later on, but whatever. Because a year later, he filed a suit, like 1995, he filed a suit against three other companies. So he sued in 1994, mm. and then a year later sued more companies. After nearly three years of wrangling, he they won a judgment that ended the licensing on some of those same oh, recordings. Wow. Yeah, as well as any additional 40 recordings that came after that, um, you know, with the other record companies, which I think was great. She should have done that. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. She moved to the south of France, and within six months of the move to France, she, her life started to unravel again. Yeah. Um, you know, just as her friends and family had worried, you know. Number one, she cut herself and the initial news reports said that the accident occurred when she tried to put put out a fire on an overheated fax machine. That sounds crazy, number one. <laughs> number two, she left the scene of an accident after hitting two women. <gasps> she was ultimately fined $4,000 and given a two-month suspended jail sentence for a hit-and-run accident. Wow. And then three, after working in her garden one day for a party she was given for her brother and his wife, she yelled at a couple of kids next door who were making noise in their pool. Things got heated. I guess they were being kids and saying stupid stuff back. She got a gun and finally... <laughs> I mean, she'll laugh. It just seems so nuts. <laughs> she was no joke. No joke. It's like everything was finally going good, but nope. And it comes nope. back. She fired a buckshot over the hedges. It struck one of them in the leg. What? Yes. Struck what? one of them in the leg. Lord have mercy. Nina was eventually fined $4,600. That's not that much and for, that shooting, is for some... shooting somebody's kid in the leg. <laughs> and ordered to undergo counseling. Her lawyer told the court that she was fragile and depressed. They treated her like she a She maybe shouldn't have a, a gun. Fragile... 
Exactly. <laughs> Don't have Exactly. Even if it's shooting talk about guns now. Even if it's shooting, look, shot a kid in the leg. By the leg. <laughs> I just thought you needed to hear another story. I'm like, Lord have mercy. So by the what late about, night. Sorry, just wait, wanting. Wait. What about the time when she was truly happy? Because they do mention, you know, when, but that's, where did she live? Where she went moved to France for the rest of her life. No, but point. she was, it was before that. Oh, well, she did go to the was, Bahamas with briefly. Lisa, but it was bad because she had an affair with, like, I think the president of one of those countries down there. <laughs> and he had I'm a glad wife. I brought it up because he was... had a wife. This is like right after her and Nandy's. And Nandy. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's dead, thank God. Um, not thank God he's dead. Not saying thank God Andy's dead, but. I mean, I didn't wouldn't want him to feel bad because I said Nandy, um, but <laughs> but yeah, that happened in the early seventies. That's mm-hmm. kind of precipitated Nina leaving to just leave her mom. But yeah, she was having an affair with Lisa um, to leave her mom to leave her mom to go to New York to live with her yeah. dad. But it was during those you know early like when she was you know early teens before fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nina had an affair with one of the presidents down there, one of those yeah, small islands. Yeah, I vaguely islands. remember this. And he, she wanted him to leave his wife. He said, no, screw it, no. And she kind of went off a little end right there. And it's just, yeah, maybe that was the time. I don't it, know. I think it is that time. It is that time. But. That's okay. It's just another nutty Nina story. <laughs> <laughs> nutty Nina story. Um so by the late 1990s, she still performed, but she spent most of her time at, at another house. She moved, mm-hmm. and she was at another house in France, and she had a staff by this time. Money came in now regularly, mm-hmm. you know, and the amount each year varied with her record sales and use of her music in other ways because now, you know, because you can now you can she hear, had access to it. Well, yes, and, you know, now, like we were talking about, another generation, because I remember listening uh, to Nina in, like, a Haynes commercial and yeah. stuff. This is when she was alive. I remember that Chanel thing. I remember yeah, all that. Yeah, I remember that, too. And but that was a good time because that's right when, in the early 90s, that's when... Um, movie... Centerman? Oh, oh. it's been a lot of movies. The Point of No Return. Point of No Return. Point of No Return. The Big Lebowski? She's almost like a character in A Point of No Return. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I first got introduced to Nina. Yeah, Nina's in the big... I know. She's amazing. Yeah, I was like like 13 at the time, and I was like... She's amazing. Oh, but oh, she really was almost like another character in that movie because yeah, her wow. music played such a big part of yeah. that movie. Yeah. And then he talked all about it, like it was about what Nina represented. So now, just so I'm clear, because the guy who did La Femme Nikita and the professional, um, what's his name? Uh, Luc Besson. Luc Besson. He might have had something to do with it because you know the French love her. Oh yeah, and Muse loves her too. The guy from yeah. Muse too, but um, people loved her. But also, um, she was in like the Big Lebowski, and yeah. that's like a cult. But I hit. feel like kind of that early '90s was a resurgence for Nina music. Oh like, yeah, that's when I was introduced to her. Oh yeah, I mean, look, Point of No Return was 1993. Yeah, um, La Femme Nikita, 1990. You know, and I think probably Luke Besson got the point because it was the American version of Yeah. Um, so, and the Big Lebowski was 98. So she was all throughout the consciousness. She's in The Watchmen yeah. in 2009 and, you know, Sex in the City. She's also been, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, the, the hip-hop artists have sampled her so much. Like, uh, Kanye West, them, they owe her a great debt, mm-hmm. you know. And, and 
as we as people have already probably heard in the bumper i mean um lauren hill they adore her like mm -hmm. i do i adore her music but anyway yeah, it's amazing i know so she earned some good money like by the mid 1990s she was bringing a hundred thousand dollars just from sitting at home mm -hmm. i mean even not even at from that her point i think that's fine yeah so you've had a big career you can by sit 1990, back and... yeah well she was still performing yeah, she was she still was, going well, on she dates. signed that deal and yeah and by 1999 she received you know over two hundred thousand. it was going higher and higher at least she was Eventually, she received receive over a million dollars in royalties a oh, year good. for her recordings. As she and, should, because it was being used everywhere. Yes, and you know, for that serious hard work that she had put in early in her career. I mean, and she was worshipped. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Out of all these Nina stories, she was so heavily worshipped. How we talked about, I mean, you had to be worshipped to get away with shooting a kid in the leg. <sighs> that story's nuts. But also, Nina, like we've talked about, I mean, there's a reason why we did her. There's, we did her because she's clearly an amazing artist. But yeah. she, uh, she was so unique. Like, no oh, one will brilliant. ever be like her. Like, there's one Nina ever, yeah. ever. There can, no one can, and no, there's really no copies of Nina yeah. either. There's copies of everything, but there's no copies of her. They try, but you, you, you can't. Be, you, yeah, I would tell you not to try. I mean, but that voice though, she was, she was like a classical pianist. Like, yeah, she and then up. had that very original voice that sounds yes. like nobody. Yes, except for her. I know. I mean, it tickled I her. I think her that... nuttiness also makes her that much better. Well, she had such an uncompromising <laughs> spirit. Yeah, like she was incomparable to the mm. T. Yeah. Um, because you know she didn't sell herself in any way, shape, or form, and you know it tickled Nina that Lauren Hill, who was a huge fan. Um, you know, she didn't really think too much of rap, but it tickled her that Lauren Hill, you know, talked about it, you know, the, the part in the song at Nina Simone, I'll be Nina Simone and defecating on your microphone. I mean, mm. she still preferred and loved classical music out of mm. everything. And before each concert, they said Nina would sit in a chair backstage and bark orders, cigarette, glass of champagne. <laughs> How much time do we have? A half hour. God damn it. And then she would go out on stage. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. So and, and you know what? There's one picture where I showed, they said at one point they showed her, there's this one guy told the story. I don't think it's, I didn't put it in this outline, but at one point, I'll never forget this. I read this. She was back. He said it was the greatest picture he ever seen. He was back. He was about to introduce her. He was introducing her on the stage, and he looked backstage, and somebody got a little hand came through and put a little <laughs> cigarette on the corners of her mouth. She took a drag, and then the cigarette came back out. Oh, I'm like, go ahead, name. Nina. It wasn't even her hand. It's That's so how badass funny. she was. Such oh, an icon. So funny. So you know, in 2001, her mother Kate died. Six months shy of her 100th birthday, oh, Kate wow, was about. Really? It was her mom, Kate. Yeah, was Aww. about one month shy of her 100th birthday, Aww. or six months. I'm sorry, shy of Kate's 100th birthday. She died, and that loss devastated Nina. She went mm -hmm. to the funeral, but she ignored her sister Frances over an incident that she felt um, angry about from a few years before. And poor Frances went up to say hello to her. Nina brushed by her and said, "Who are you?" <laughs> And kept it moving. I don't mean to laugh. It just and she, so oh my God, I know. Aww. So when Nina returned home from that funeral, she learned she had breast cancer. And the diagnosis, you know, 
come came barely two months before she was to start another summer tour. Oh, really? So she treated the op. She, you know, had an operation and did chemotherapy afterwards. Kind of matter-of-factly, she was cool about it. But then she had a stroke, and for a few weeks, she could neither walk nor eat without assistance. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they said that she was nearly back to herself by the time her brother and his wife, John, her brother John and his wife came to visit in Christmas 2002. Um, it was their third visit in 16 months because they knew she was sick. Mm-hmm. And in April 2002, she suffered another stroke. And she died April 20th, 2003 with you know, her staff by her side. And she told one of them, one of them talked about it more than once, that she didn't want to live past 70, and she was oh. 70 years old. Oh, wow. You know, her remains were cremated after the ceremony. Here's the crazy part. On May 18th, 2003, barely a month after she died, the Curtis Institute posthumously awarded her an honorary diploma for her contribution to the art of music. Oh. You know, Nina was aware of the school's plan, and she was going to attend the ceremony in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. but she was too sick. Can you imagine you're just there? Instead, family members accepted in her honor. And this year, 15 years almost to the day that she died, Nina's coming to the Cleveland. She's coming to Cleveland, Ohio. Because on Saturday... April 14th, 2018, kids, Nina will be inducted into the 33rd Annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame alongside my girl, Sister Rosetta Tharp, who we got to do a thing on, but... You know, I just think it's amazing That's that we're amazing. doing this podcast yeah. in 15 years. She's about to go into the wow. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She yeah, sure she will, 33rd be. annual. Um, you know, she was a troubled soul, you know, just mm-hmm. tangled up in so much conflict her whole life. But, <clears throat> you know, she was just incredible. I mean, the one thing I can say about Nina, and I know you've got something to say as well, but... I love this quote about her where, you know, and I can say it's her end quote, I guess, because I think she deserved it. Mm -hmm. But I love this quote because it's like it speaks so much to her life. And Nina once said in an interview, um, what I hope to do all the time is to be so completely myself, Mm -hmm. to be so much myself that my audiences and even people who meet me are confronted when they are confronted with what I am inside and out as honest as I can be. And this way they have to see themselves, see things about themselves immediately. It's like, for instance, if I have a conversation with somebody, I can be honest every minute and they're forced to be honest. Whatever you get from my music, she went on, whatever you feel from my music is real. And it comes from me to you. Whatever it is, if it's disturbing, okay, but you're part of that disturbance. If it's love, whatever it is, you get it from the music. Then you got it from me. You can get your answers about me from my music. And she further reflected on her career in an interview with another um, magazine. 
um, she says, she was talking about European audiences, and she says, they seem to know all my records when they were made, and I think this could be about everybody, that everybody seems to know all her records when they were made, and she said, I suppose the civil rights thing does come into it and has some bearing on their response, but in a lot of cases, I'm sure it has nothing to do with it. She professed a disdain for politics and declared she was not a politician. She said, but when I'm on stage, of course I'm conscious that I'm colored. I feel that I'm upholding the prestige of my people. And most of my songs are about the problem. And she said, I never forget that my first purpose is to bring art to the people and any social feelings I have must not overwhelm my music or be taken to extremes. When did she say that? Uh, okay, you just stumped me there. <laughs> no, I just, I love There's it. There's so much. I know. She... I just love it, though. It's just, it's interesting to get to know her in a different way, because as you know, I've, most people I've known music for the music. Yeah. <laughs> so when you get to know the rest of it is just really amazing. And she, she was just she was honest. She said she was just. I mean, it came through in her music though. Yeah. Because I feel like you have all of us have a, like a vibrational reaction to music because we can't explain why we like stuff and don't like That's stuff. Completely true. And I feel she just because of her honesty and her integrity to be herself, whatever mm. that was, if mm. it was you know Nutty Nina or not. The, yeah. But <laughs> it it did bleed through through the music because it comes across where you connect to it no matter what she's saying or I feel like she that her audience connected to it because that's what I think because I, I mean I still listen to a Nina song and I get chills I'm like oh, oh so yeah good. because she had the famous line I know I probably said it you know about the freedom to her is no fear you know? Oh, that line is that you is know, freedom. freedom. What's that like? No idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you know, and I might have said it already. That's what she said. You know, she said, "I love this line that she said." Um, you know that she sings from intelligence, and I love that. But mm. she also said that, um, and I just saw this, and I thought this is this is what she said in an interview. It was after a performance, and she said, I've been called bitter, sharp, hot-mouthed, and moody, but there's nothing superficial about me. Mm. There's no fakery. Most people have their own thing to fight with. I'm fighting just for honesty and to grow by singing and being black. It almost sounds like the Thurgood Marshall line when somebody asked him during this is during when he was fighting you know he was a lawyer for the NAACP in the 50s and he fought for the brown he I think he represented brown versus the board of education I think he did and I think during it one of the other side a white men said you have to do this and you have to do that and he said no all I got to do is be black and die <laughs> so that sounds like that with Nina nah, no you know she don't allow other people to put their stuff on her um, and that's what I love about her. Me she too. would not allow anybody to put their stuff on her. Yeah. What have we said every show? What have we said every Authenticity. show? Authenticity and be you. I feel like it's just, I find these shows so inspiring because all these artists, I mean, clearly they achieved super success yeah. in music, but they also 
just for their characters, even in all of them, every single one has been through some pretty difficult shit. Crazy. I know. No one was like, because everybody sees these icons and they're like, oh, you're doing so great. But that's not really how they go through a lot. You see the story of everything and it's like, there is a Mm trade-off. There really is a trade-off to all this fame. Ooh, and it's a heavy price to pay. mm -hmm. There's a price to pay for that. I mean, she really paid the price over. She had a difficult life. Like, she was successful, but I feel she was also quite tortured. Completely no. tortured. Like I feel, and it sounds like she was tortured from the get-go. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. And that would be a very yeah. She did an amazing job with. She was an innovator, allowing that all that to come out in her music. And Do you think to be an innovator, you have to probably like to do something new, um, especially in jazz and and all of this. It wasn't just jazz; it was blues. It was a, but she also was things. new in lots of ways because she wasn't. She's not such an innovator because she's classically trained, and then she had this like she hybrid voice. Like she really was a hybrid artist, like, right? She's not just. You're not Completely. like oh, Nina Simone. You don't go oh, blues, jazz. You don't put her in a category. You're like Completely. well, she's Nina Simone. Like and right. she's, she's in almost a class like her own, own thing. People yeah. are like oh, well, that's that's her own category. Yeah, she, but <laughs> she really is. She's a very unique artist, and I think that's. Um, so what were you saying about like if you could I just like how think to innovate? I, I don't know to if be you... an innovator like her to there's a they, I think that you know when you look at a lot of innovators throughout history and anything I think that it doesn't come easy they I don't think it comes easy they no die early sometimes you know i mean well there's a tremendous amount of risk like you can't go down the beaten path to innovate something there's you know we're so conditioned to believing mm. this little box is what's everyone's like oh that box is i mean awesome. the next guy we talk then, about really took it to the next level yeah. and he yeah i mean i think to be an innovator i think you do uh, I think it comes with torture. I think it I comes think so with a, a heavy price to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, she just... It's almost like a mission in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if like, and look, that she person... Said she, I don't want to live past 70. And then she dies at 70. That's crazy. It's, it's just coming but up see, all too of them, much. No, we've talked about it every episode. Like you have said, oh, do you think it's like a premonition? Self- or, or, or no, self, self-fulfilled prophecy, not premonition. But it could be both. Like what you both. said is both. Yeah, because everybody has kind of thought that they had like this. The date. next one too. Yeah, he proclaimed it. I mean, you will hear Rock of Babies. The next one is he's yeah another giant like her. Another giant. I mean, she was definitely a giant in just so many more ways to me. A little mm-hmm. bit more so because she lived a long time. Mm-hmm. She was a woman that really really had to I mean I think she paid the ultimate price even mm-hmm. though she lived for a long time you know she was unhappy a lot of those yeah. times she was um you said the word tortured but I think also too for her legacy for her to know wherever you may be Nina yeah that she left a mark and a mark Completely. a beautiful mark regardless of all this stuff like oh. people really like you hear these stories and it's weirdly like some unforgivable, forgivable things because mm-hmm. you're just like, well, it's Nina, you right. know. So it's, it's like okay. <laughs> so it's like for someone hey, that to kid leave, is probably sitting in France and I go, that thing at that. But then he probably tells people, Nina, guess who shot me? Shot Nina, my Nina Simone. Simone. <laughs> Shoot, she wasn't playing. I want to find that kid. 
<laughs> I would love for him to come, contact us. Oh, yeah. So I, I just think, you know. like, there's... You're you know, right, some... because, you know what, just what you were just saying, Bill, um, not Bill Gates, sorry, Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Jobs. He said it in his biography, his autobiography mm-hmm. that he had written that he wants to put a dent in the universe, and he ended up mm-hmm. taking a making a huge yeah, dent. Like a huge... I think she really was you know made a huge mm-hmm. dent she you know used a meteorite yeah and put a huge dent in the in the universe i mean because like you said we're still talking we're to still nina talking about her and she and you still hear her song sampled all everywhere the time you know i mean i would i mean so you know nina was right when she said that you know you know she that it was a gift of from god to her um and I think that she's right. It mm-hmm. was she was a gifted, you know. God did gift her with such a ginormous talent. And thank you, Nina, for gifting I us know. your talent. That's perfect. That is so perfectly true. And I'm grateful to her because I still listen to Nina. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was excited about doing this show. I gotta say, because yeah, uh, she is one of my heroes. Um, you know because. She's so outspoken and mm-hmm. unapologetic. So, yeah. you know, besides my grandma, God rest her soul, who was so unapologetically outspoken, Nina was right along that um, era for me mm-hmm. of being someone who's so unapologetic. And, you know, she was ruthless about it. And that's what I love. I love, I love it when people are like that, just yeah. ruthlessly unapologetic. And she was smart about mm-hmm. her ideas, the way she, I mean, who else can say freedom is no fear? Oh, I couldn't think of that at the top of my head. No. Going down. Well, she's also neck. the one that came up with Nina Simone when I said like my name would probably be like yeah. telephone stand. I like, know. I could never come or, up with a name. Like Nina Simone. Who could come up with it's a like name the best like that? Name. It's the best name. Well, isn't that crazy? Off the top of her head. Best name. Well, thank you, Nina. Thank, thank you for you, letting Nina. us talk about you for two episodes. And yes. You seriously a high are high priestess of soul series. Absolutely. Well, so I guess we're wrapping up. I'm sad to be wrapping up this High Priestess of Souls series, but I can say congratulations for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yay, Nina. Yes. Yay. Congratulations. We'll be drinking champagne for you. Well, yes. maybe a case of it or half a case half for a you. Case. <laughs> and I might walk down that hallway naked. No, hey. it's, I mean, it's after half a case, <laughs> Melissa may very well be doing maybe that. Maybe after two. Maybe after two. <laughs> <laughs> two bottled up. That's it. Maybe one. So April 14th is a big day. (laughs) Hey. Nina Simone's brilliant musicianship included a broad range of musical styles, including classical, jazz, blues, folk, R&B, gospel, and pop. Countless artists over many generations and genres recognize Nina as an important inspiration. Lauryn Hill... Elton John, who named one of his pianos after her, Rufus Wainwright, Alicia Keys, Aretha Franklin, David Bowie, Adele, Diane Reeves, Sade, Cat Stevens, Mary J. Blige, Peter Gabriel, Jeff Buckley, John Legend, Janis Joplin, Lena Horne, Kanye West, Most Def, Lana Del Rey, Matt Bellamy, the lead singer of Muse, and many others. John Lennon cited Nina's version of I Put a Spell on You as a source of inspiration for the Beatles song, Michelle.
Simone's music has been featured in soundtracks of various motion pictures and video games, including but not limited to La Femme Nikita from 1990, Point of No Return 1993, The Big Lebowski 1998, Notting Hill, 1999, Any Given Sunday, 1999, The Thomas Crown Affair, also 1999, Disappearing Acts, 2000, Six Feet Under, 2001, Before Sunset, 2004, Inland Empire, 2006, Miami Vice, 2006, Sex and the City, 2008, Revolutionary Road, 2008, Watchmen, 2009, and Repo Men, 2010. Frequently, her music is used in remixes, commercials, and TV series, including Feeling Good, which featured prominently in the season 4 promo of Six Feet Under. Simone's Take Care of Business is the closing theme of The Man from UNCLE 2015, and Simone's cover of Janice Ian's Stars is played during the final moments of the season 3 finale of Bojack Horseman 2016. Well, um, thank you, Nina. Thank, thank you so you, much. Nina. And thank you all you Rockabies for listening. Rockababies. Yes, Rock because we just learned that we have Rockababies all around the world. Yay! I'm so happy. You know, to all of our Rockababies who are listening. tell all your friends. <laughs> yes, tell your friends. Keep telling your friends, yeah. you know, because we found out that we have, you know, Rockababies in Mongolia and Brazil and they were um, pretty excited. Bangladesh. I'm still, I love saying Bangladesh. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Lebanon. I mean, it's it pretty was exciting. like amazing. And so, to all of you that are listening around the world in Mongolia and the US too. The UK. Yes, in the UK. And there was somebody else in, in Europe, I couldn't remember, but Canada. Oh, Canada's Canada. listening we, up there, up there too. And, you know, we really appreciate. We really, really do. Thank you know, you. your ears and your to listen time. To our, our little show. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Rock For behind the scenes looks or more information or just to be part of the conversation, please join us at www.rockabiespodcast.com.